This is the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth, and we are joined in the studio today with our reporter, Cutta Babcock, as well as a cool new sports dude, if you'd like to introduce yourself. How's it going, everybody? James Hall here. Hey, James, thanks for joining us on the show. Absolutely. Always a blast to be in the studio. All righty. We have a big show for you guys planned today. We're going to interview Sarah Josie with Golden Poppy Apothecary, and then we're going to go into Erica Szymanski's piece that Max uh, interviewed her with today. Erica Szymanski is a teacher in the English and Science departments at Colorado State University in her first semester teaching here, and she teaches about how we talk about science. So we're going to talk about how we talk specifically about microbes and microbiomes. Then after that, we're actually going to re-air an older interview we did with Turtle Mountain Fermentary and talk a little bit more about microbes. Yeah, and since our whole uh, episode is kind of about microbes and micro- microbiomes, we kind of wanted to ask you guys a question um, about what you are curious about, about microbiomes, microbes, uh, holistic medicine, anything of that sort. What do you uh, want to know? Yeah, if you have any cool stories about them, cool experiences, go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And we just heard from our reporter, Coda Babcock, about some local news going on in Fort Collins. And then we heard some sports talk from James Hall, our new sports reporter. Yeah, it's exciting. We have a sports reporter again. Whoop, whoop, whoop. But we posed a question to you before the break. And that was just, what are you curious to know about uh, microbes, microbiomes, holistic medicine? Um, if you have any cool stories, go ahead and text those in at 970-491-5278. Once or again, big that n- questions. Yeah. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278. And we actually have someone in the studio who could probably answer a little bit of those questions. And that's going to be Sarah Josie from Golden Poppy Apothecary, if you'd like to introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on today. Um, Like you said, I am Sarah, and I own Golden Poppy Herbal Apothecary. We're a store down in Old Town. Right on. Well, thank you for coming in. And I want to start right off the bat by uh, asking, what is an apothecary, and how is the term connotated? Because I know there there may be other terms you could use for an apothecary, but why did you choose apothecary specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So an herbal apothecary was the original pharmacy before... Um, kind of the advent of uh, conventional medicine as we know it today. An apothecary was a term for both the store, the shop front, and the person who worked there. They were, in essence, the original pharmacists, but they were also sort of doubled as doctors at the time. So the reason my store is called Herbal Apothecary, we sell all of the herbal remedies that someone of that era may have used for their kind of primary health care. So it was me kind of pulling from the history of just health and medicine in um, basically all over the world. Alrighty, so what does the Golden, Pop- uh, Golden Poppy Herbal Apothecary do? So we sell bulk herbs, essential oils, body care product supplies. We hand make all of our own natural body care and skin care. And we also offer a lot of classes as well. So if you ever wanted to learn about herbal medicine or um, how to make your own body care products, those types of things. I am a little curious too, what uh, significance does the name uh, Golden Poppy have? 
to the store? Yeah, so uh, California poppy is the golden poppy. It's the California state flower. It's also an herbal remedy. It's typically used for sleep and kind of pain relief. So similar to when people think of poppies and opium, but um, it's nowhere near as strong as that. It's just a little bit more of kind of the bright side of poppies. And it's nice to hear that that exists. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, what's your role in the organization? So I'm an herbalist and a nutritionist, and I founded the store. So oh. I started it from the ground up. Yep. That's awesome. And actually, that leads perfectly into the next one. So what's that story like? How'd you get started? Yeah, so I actually was in school here at CSU for biochemistry once upon a time and um, wanted to be a naturopathic doctor. And at the time, uh, naturopaths couldn't practice as doctors in the state of Colorado. And I felt like I probably needed to figure out what my path was. And I discovered there was such a thing as herb school and decided to go do that. And halfway through herb school, I realized there was nowhere in Fort Collins for people to buy herbs or essential oils or any of those things. So I thought it would be a good town to have a store in. Alrighty, so since we're talking a little bit about origins, what does the history of herbalism look like? Oh gosh, so plants are the original medicine. I mean, all sorts of animals have been documented using plants to heal themselves to fix whatever ailments they might have so really herbalism and herbal medicine is the original medicine even a lot of the pharmaceuticals that we know of today specifically things like aspirin and digoxin are derived from plant materials and a lot of pharmaceutical companies when they're looking for new drugs they actually start by looking at historical uses of plants and then trying to figure out what the chemical compounds in those plants are that are have the active effects on people so it really is it's it's nature's medicine it is cool to think about um one of my roommates started uh collect well he didn't mean to he started collecting penicillin on this bag of bread uh -huh. <laughs> he had in our kitchen and i'm uh, horribly allergic to penicillin oh yeah so as soon as i realized what was going on i was like i have to get rid of this but i do think it was so cool that we just like kind of naturally had penicillin growing in our house yeah absolutely it's pretty miraculous really the things that uh, how many medications have come from something in the natural world is awesome yeah, so you talked about medications and pharmaceuticals a little bit. Um, how would you personally characterize the difference between herbalism and traditional pharmaceuticals? So herbalism works with the body's natural healing ability to help it get back to a state of balance. You know, yes, herbs can be very powerful and they can elicit a specific reaction in your body, but most of what the plants are doing are helping your body kind of find their way back to their natural state of health. Whereas pharmaceutical medications are very specifically designed to go in and affect pathways within your body. And so they are almost forcing your body to do something as opposed to guiding it in a direction. And that very much depends on what the pharmaceutical medication is, but that's kind of, the biggest difference is really just that herbs work with the body. Well, and that kind of gets to the crux of what we're talking about today. So we're talking about microbiomes with our other guests today. And herbs, like you just described, are almost are, are more likely to interact with your microbes and your microbiomes than a lot of these pharmaceuticals. Is that something you take into account in your practice? Absolutely, yeah. I would say that 
digestive issues across the board are something that we see very, very often coming into the store. And the microbiome plays obviously a really huge piece of your digestive system and your overall health and wellness. So when people are experiencing issues, you know, we want to take into consideration what the state of their microbiome is, and we may kind of guide them in the direction of herbs that either help you know, kind of work on the actual tissues of the digestive system. And then other things, there's specific herbs that actually have what they call prebiotics in them that feed healthy microbiomes. So plants like dandelion root and burdock root, both of those have a compound called inulin in them. And inulin is a prebiotic. So it's a food for micro, for the microbiomes in your digestive system. So if that was something that you needed, those would be really good herbs to kind of incorporate into your life. Alrighty. And can you talk a little bit about what kind of physical benefits herbalism can provide? Besides the ones you just uh, just did, like, I mean, so I, I think it's really interesting how you have, you know, things that will actually feed the bacteria living inside of you. And that's the point of some of the herbs. I mean, so, yeah, what just what what are I mean? these sound like supernatural, incredible things, yeah. kind of. <laughs> but like, but, you know, they're they, they're used for a reason so what other what kind of stuff can you do yeah really i mean the the sky is kind of limitless with that one there's plants out there that work on every single system in your entire body so anything from your digestive system to your musculoskeletal system to your nervous system to your brain specifically i mean there's herbs that really do interact with every single body system so um yeah, I mean, literally, it's endless. And there's an endless amount of plants on this planet that we don't even know what they do yet. So I feel like there's constantly more to discover. Alrighty. And uh, we were taking a look at your website, and we noticed that besides classes and products, you also offered herbal and nutrition consultation. And we were just kind of curious about how these were connected in any way. The classes and the consultations? Or no, cons the nutrition and the herbal consultations. Yeah, absolutely. So... Every one of us really feels that nutrition is the basic foundation, right? Like even with pharmaceuticals, if your diet isn't healthy and your body isn't getting the base level of nutrients that it needs to function properly, then there's nothing that's gonna be able to fix it. Herbs or pharmaceuticals otherwise, like you're just gonna be missing pieces that your body needs to function. So working with people who come in who are experiencing issues we really talk to them a lot about like what are you eating you know are you getting all the things that you need are you eating things that your body doesn't like that's kind of the first place that we start and then kind of layer herbs on top of that Alrighty. Awesome. So, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap this up about now, but it's been really fun talking with you. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, where can people learn more about Golden Poppy Apothecary? So, we have a store in Old Town, Fort Collins. We are just north of LaPorte on College Avenue, right across from the Exchange. We're there uh, seven days a week, so stop in anytime. We also have our website is goldenpoppyherbs.com. And you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Same thing, Golden Poppy Herbs. Golden Poppy Herbs. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right. We are going to be moving on to our next piece. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to move on to our next piece, which is an interview with Erica Szymanski, who is a professor here. And we'll intro that again, but we're going to go on a quick break. And once again, uh, we'd like to ask our question. Ren, do you want to ask them that question? Heck yeah. So we were just curious about um, what you were curious about in terms of uh, 
microbiomes, uh, microbes, holistic medicine, any of that cool stuff. Um, if you have any interesting stories, just anything you've been curious about or you know about it, let us know and go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278 and we'll do our best to answer that on air. Um, but we're going to move right into our break. Yeah, we're going to take that break. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here in 90.5 KCSU FM, Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And we just heard from Sarah Josie from Golden Poppy Herbal Apothecary. So if you missed that interview or anything on the show tonight or any of our shows in the past, you can go ahead and hear them at kcsufm.com under Rocky Mountain Review. Yep, and we're going to keep on moving right along. I was lucky enough yesterday to sit down with CSU uh, professor Erica Szymanski. Szymanski, sorry. And um, we talked about the interesting segue between microbes, microbiology, and linguistics and how the way we talk about microbes and science actually influences the kinds of things that happen in science. So we're going to check that out right now. This is Professor Erica Szymanski. So I'm sitting here today with Erica. Would you like to introduce what you do? Sure. So my name is Erica Szymanski, and thanks for letting me pronounce my own surname because it's a I, bit of a challenge. I was honestly yeah. not going to try. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> most people, most people try and screw up. So thanks. Uh, and I am a new, as of this year, assistant professor in rhetoric of science in the English department, um, and also a member of the microbiome. For those who may not have the best understanding of what rhetoric is or how it could apply to science. What do you do? That's a big question. Isn't um, it? It's a huge question. So one of the difficulties with being a rhetorician of science is deciding what rhetoric means. And I tend to change my mind a lot because it means a lot of different things to different people. For me, what being a rhetorician of science means is that I study how words act as scientific tools. And what I'm interested in are how the tools we choose to use shape the science we can do. For example, I've done recently some work on metaphors where the kinds of metaphors we use for microbes change literally what we can make the microbes into because our imaginations shape how we see these tiny creatures and therefore what we can do with them, the kinds of questions we ask about them, the way we tweak them and rebuild them and select them and turn them into new things. is pretty much shaped by our language. And I mean, I think it's really interesting, especially with something like microbes, something we can't really physically see well enough to describe, at least most people. Uh, we only talk about things like that through metaphor. Mm -hmm. Right, because we always have to make things that we don't know, somehow understandable in terms of things that we do know. Exactly. So, some kind of reference. Exactly. And so it's really important for me to make sure that people don't think that I'm just trying to explain how we use like thousands of years old ancient Greek techniques to sound better when we're speaking about, you know, science and politics. Because if I took a really narrow definition of classical rhetoric, it could... You'd just be looking for the good person speaking well. I would be. I would be, in which case I'd be looking for a scientific Cicero, and that would be fun, but it's really not, not, not as useful. Not as helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about microbiome specifically, actually. Okay. Let's, let's jump on that. One of my current research questions is, how do different groups of people make use of this term, microbiome? Um, I think it's useful generally to think of microbiomes as being collections of microbes that live together in a shared environment. So what's so, a microbe? But one of the problems with microbes is that we have this odd term that actually talks about 
how humans see the world to describe a group of organisms that don't hold together as a biological group. So microbes are usually described as single-celled organisms, right? Well, most microbes don't live as single-celled organisms, which is why we're talking about microbiomes. If I'm, I like to bake bread, right? So, or, and to make kimchi. So if I have a sourdough starter or kombucha, kombucha is a great example. My scoby, my scoby is completely visible, right? Like I can pick my scoby up and move it around. For those who don't know, that's the starting block for a kombucha. For making kombucha. It's a symbiotic community of bacteria and yeast. So microbes include bacteria and yeast. Problem is that when we talk about microbes as being single-celled organisms, we make them a lot less interesting than they are if we study them in the way they typically interact in social groups, which is why microbiomes are the coolest thing ever. Yeah, well, and I, I would like to go right back to that first thing you said where you said that uh, with the word microbe itself is actually talking about the human perspective mm-hmm. and how we just see them as smaller and there's no real category to define microbes besides they're just that small. Right. So I like to think of it as microbes have a relational coherence, but not a biological coherence. So the reason why we have this term microorganism is because they're organisms that could only be seen with microscopes, right? So we're talking about this group of organisms on the basis of the limitations of human vision and what we learned how to do with a very particular set of optics. Right, exactly. But the term microbe is still really useful because it helps us remember how totally alien these creatures are to us. We can't interact with them the same way we interact with macrobes. Macrobes, things that are big like us. You know, you don't go out and pet a microbe's fur. (laughs) That's a funny image. (laughs) Right, isn't it? Well, and see, one of the things that's great about this is we interact with creatures that are big like us as individuals, right? We Mm -hmm. think about them as being these things that are contained by their skin. You cannot think about a microbe that way because you never meet a microbe. You meet a collection of microbes. So microbes are this fantastic way of really challenging our assumptions about individuality and about what it means to be a community and about like units of interaction. And all of these things have to do with the way I think about how rhetoric of science. I do see where you're saying it could be helpful, especially helping someone who wasn't familiar with the concept to kind of come to an understanding of what a microbe is, just the name itself, mm-hmm. you know, has... Uh, going to use a really fun rhetoric word now hermeneutics right you know so, you hear microbe and you think yeah. micro right right and you're in this whole different world and that is exactly the effect we want to convey at this point is like you're in this whole different world and so <laughs> it's funny i think when we start talking about individual kinds of microbes so i work a lot with saccharomyces cerevisiae which is everyone's favorite microbe because it makes beer we can get really comfortable with our individual microbes and we can think that we understand them and it's so useful to remember we are never going to understand how this creature experiences the world. So I feel like I know my sourdough starter really well. We have a good working relationship. I keep it happy. It keeps me happy. And everyone's relationship with their sourdough starter is different, right? So we communicate, but that doesn't mean I understand what's going on inside the mind of the sourdough starter or what life is like to be a, a yeast or bacteria. It means that, you know, over at this point, we can say thousands of years, humans have learned how to work really sensitively with some microbes. We've become attuned to each other's needs. And a lot of that communication happens through molecules that you know, smell or taste, right? So we can talk about multi-species communication and maybe even you know, multi-species storytelling where we have humans and microbes communicating with each other and changing each other over time. And, and these turn into these delicious styles of you know, beer and bread and such. And so 
I still wouldn't say that I understand what it's like to be a yeast, but I can, <laughs> but I can, I can communicate with my yeast, and that's really productive. How do you think narratives can be used to help the f- influence how people view things like microbes in the future? First, I think it's really important to distinguish between um, helping people understand something and trying to convince them to see something a particular way. So. Sometimes when we talk about science communication, what we're talking about is getting the public to know more science. Yeah. And I actually think that that's really unproductive because on the one hand, we want to share some knowledge principles so that we can have better group discourse, right? So we can talk in public about shared concerns and interests. It's really productive to be able to um, talk as a group about how, you know, as a, as a public group, as a community about how microbes are so incredibly important to the way that we live, not just, you know, I'm harping on beer and bread, but also wastewater treatment processing and agriculture and the necessity for microbes to support soil health. Or just does your stomach feel good? Right. All of the above, right? And making sure that you take good care of it. Everyone eat your yogurt. But I think it's really useful to say that there's a difference between uh, helping us have a good, robust public understanding of the world we live in and you know, encouraging people to see the world a particular way. Um, so when we talk about narratives, like there are, we're always telling stories in science. Yeah. Re- pick up any peer-reviewed scientific article, and it's telling you a story because it's not giving you the blow-by-blow of precisely what happened in a research lab once upon a time. It's it's giving you a. In the beginning, we had this idea, so we can use the idea of narrative to talk about virtually everything, um, but. Where I am interested in using narratives is in creating space for shared conversation around cool stuff that allows us to live better with other creatures and ourselves. And for me, that really revolves around creating the capacity to have conversations with people rather than, you know, getting the public to to believe more science, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I meet people who are, you know, who may not have any qualifications in science who know a lot about working with their microbes. I want them to tell me what that's like, too. If we can use narratives to help influence people to have a broader spectrum of ideologies regarding microbes and to think, and if your goal is to have lots of different people from different backgrounds thinking about microbes and microbiomes in different ways, do you think that can actually help make the science better? Yes. So, um, truth be told, my interests are not really in you know, communicating science to the lay public, but what I get really jazzed about is the capacity for people who know different kinds of things to come together around shared problems so that we can together create better solutions for living in the world. And, you know, historically, humans have not done all that well at <laughs> coming up with solutions for living in a multi-species world. Uh, And so a huge part of my project right now, in a very, very, very big sense, and the kind of sense I'm never really going to succeed at, is how do we account for other species and for varieties of knowledges, ways of doing things in the world, professional expertises, scientific knowledge, so that together we can come up with more sustainable and, you know, more convivial, I would say, ways of living together. You are an English teacher. I am an English teacher. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Erica. It's been uh, really nice to talk to you. Likewise. I enjoyed this a lot. If people would like to learn more about your work, is there somewhere they can go to read more? Yeah. So my CSU web profile in the English department is pretty well stocked. But, um, you know, I'm always happy to have conversations with folks. So that was Professor Erica Szymanski. 
Yeah, and she was talking a little bit about microbes and microbiomes. And if you're interested about that or anything else, um, holistic medicine, anything that we talked about on this show, go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is going to be 970-491-5278. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter. And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And we just heard from Ryland Todd, one of our reporters here at the Rocky Mountain Review. But we're going to keep moving on and we're going to hear a little bit from Turtle Mountain Fermentary. Yeah. So this interview, I believe we did this uh, last November, at the end of last November. And uh, it's just uh, kind of rounding out our conversation we've been having today about microbes, microbiomes, and what they do for you. Um, and it's also uh, two sisters who own Turtle Mountain, and they have kind of a, a great relationship, and they're, they're yeah. going to talk all about that. Yeah, and if you want to add to that conversation, go ahead and text us in at 970-491-5278. But without further ado, here's Turtle Mountain Fermentary. We have uh, two wonderful ladies from Turtle Mountain Fermentary. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. <laughs> uh, I'm Natalie, and my sister Hannah's here with me. We're the owners of Turtle Mountain Fermentary. We um, kind of make everything happen. I make everything, and Hannah does the rest of the business. Awesome. So what do you guys make at Turtle Mountain Fermentary, for those who don't know? We make kombucha. We also make sauerkraut and kimchi. So they're all um, raw fermented foods that contain living probiotics. We also do immunity shots and mocktails and hot teas. So we're kind of an all around health uh, bar. It's set up kind of like a coffee shop, but, and a mixture of a coffee shop and a bar, but there's just all sorts of healthy drinks. All right. So talking about your uh, title a little bit, Turtle Mountain is kind of an interesting business title um, name. Could you guys talk about why it's called that? And like, what was the inspiration for that? Well, we certainly want to be unforgettable, and Natalie has always loved turtles since we're growing up. And so turtles, we're from Pennsylvania, from the East Coast, and mountains kind of combining Colorado. I said to her, when you're naming your business, what are your two favorite things you're never going to get tired of? So turtle, mountain, there's also a lot of symbolism there with the world potentially being built on a turtle's back and mountains always growing. I like that. Okay. And the, the turtle's back, that's kind of like an old uh, legend. That's yes. cool. So what are kimchi and kombucha and what makes sauerkraut raw so that's a lot of different questions i'm going to answer them one by one (laughs) Um, so kombucha is a fermented tea so we add a culture to it it starts off just um we actually brew ours exclusively with yerba mate tea which sets us apart from any other kombucha company that i know of and so we started off as just tea add a culture to it and then it creates these living probiotics through fermentation and sauerkraut and kimchi kimchi is kind of like sauerkraut's really spicy cousin (laughs) but they're just um it's like a traditional way of fermenting cabbages that creates living probiotics through the process of that using salt to draw out the natural um, minerals that are in the food itself so um what are probiotics Probiotics are um, a living bacteria that when you 
have them in adequate amounts in your body, they can give you health benefits. But there's tons of different kinds of probiotics, and bacteria is kind of a hard word to get behind. Um, and you have to first accept that your gut is a microbiome that has tons of bacteria within it. Um, so basically, probiotics are the good bacteria that you can add into your diet that will help your gut to function more effectively. It'll help you to break down your food more efficiently, get more from it, and help you to balance out um, all sorts of digestive issues and immune function. It helps to improve that. I think there's also something interesting about probiotics as we're learning more and more through research that it's in your gut, but your gut is actually linked to your brain function as well. So the more that we're learning, like a healthy gut equals a healthy mind and overall healthy, just a whole healthy body, because it really, as Natalie was saying, links to your immune system as well. So the term trust your gut is a little more spot on <laughs> than we originally thought, huh? Actually, yes. <laughs> So to get a little more personal with the question, something I'm always interested in in family businesses is what it's like working uh, with family. <laughs> and since you guys are sisters, I think that's such an interesting dynamic. Could you kind of talk about uh, what it's like working with your sister? It's certainly an interesting <laughs> time. I think that the best part is is that we both know that we're going to work so hard for each other, for the business, for everything that we do, and that we're always going to have each other's back. And that... <laughs> Um, and also just we're very very honest with each other so it's easy and hard to make business decisions at the same time but I think honesty is the best policy and um, I never I never second-guess her decisions or her work ethic I agree with that a hundred percent if any of you guys have family members you know that it's easy to get kind of carried away as that and it's definitely a difficult balance of being your sister, also your best friend, if I may speak to for myself, and your business partner. Um, but we actually grew up in a family. Our mom worked with her sister and her father. So we kind of learned from them how to balance it all. And we definitely talk business at family occasions, but we try to limit ourselves to that. And we certainly have a lot more fun than I think a lot of people do at work. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> How'd your family react to the working probiotics? Did you get them into it? Some of them. Some of them? Yeah. Um, Our mother is our biggest supporter. She loves it. Our grandparents are having a little bit of a harder time getting behind it, but our grandma (laughs) loves our sauerkraut. Oh, good. Um, And yeah, our family is definitely super supportive of us having our own business and really happy that we carried on the, the tradition. I definitely agree with that. So let's talk about probiotics again for a second. Um, do you have any stories of like concrete examples of like the kind of benefits that probiotics can bring to people? It's hard to give examples because so many people have so many different stories. Probiotic kind of encompasses a huge ecosystem of bacteria so they can have different effects a probiotic can act differently in one person than it does to the next person um but we have our customers come up and give us all sorts of inspirational stories about how our products have helped them or how other probiotics have helped them and um some general things that they're known for is just kind of preventing we have one 
person who told us that she solved her son's asthma with our kombucha, which really stood Whoa. out to me because I'd never heard of that before. But um, as I said, it's hard to put any of our products in a box because they are alive and they are so unique and react differently to each person. Yeah, and just to piggyback on what Natalie is saying is that they are different for everybody, but uh, the major, major things that we hear at the farmer's market, at the store, is that it helps people with digestion, it helps with bloating, it really helps with like any sort of like buildup in your digestive system, cleansing are the number one number one reasons and then all sorts of like energy when you have a buildup in your digestive system and you get to release that it is like energetic and cleansing and healing in many sorts of ways so kombucha's become kind of mainstream and really popular in the last couple of years especially in fort collins the kombucha scene is huge i had never even heard of kombucha until i started going to school here why do you think that is I think that kombucha is getting more and more popular just because there's so much research building on it now that people are actually, it, you know, back in the day, people are like, oh, my mom makes this and she's drinking it. She makes it in her closet or whatever. <laughs> but now people are making it. They're making it on a large scale. There's nationwide businesses. There's a lot of research going into it. And it is, a, in my opinion, a delicious beverage. It's a great um, non-alcoholic option. There there's trace amounts of alcohol in it through fermentation, but legally less than half a percent for a non-alcoholic. Um, so it's just a tasty alternative to sodas, sugary beverages, things like that. It's fun to have something in your glass that's not water. So Definitely. <laughs> um, so that actually brings up a pretty interesting question. Uh, so, I mean, you know, a, a lot of people, once they go into fermentation, end up going into beer other kinds of alcohol what made you both decide to go into uh, kombucha and fermentation for probiotics instead of for alcohol as a career so fermentation actually happened as a happy accident at turtle oh. mountain uh, we started off as a tea company and a holistic herb company um, I'm very into herbalism and then discovered fermenting tea through my love of tea. And when I first moved out here, I was working for a farmer at the farmer's market and he told me I should bring my kombucha there. <laughs> so I did and there was so much positive feedback that I ended up getting my own stand. And wow. then when he had leftover cabbage or leftover beets or peppers, I would make sauerkraut and kimchi out of them. So just kind of using the resources that were available to us and pulling off of our local community and the feedback from them is how we got into it. Yes, and I joined Natalie because she was doing it for two or three years by herself before I officially decided to get off the phone telling her what to do and <laughs> join the team. So. I had been obviously consuming her pro products for a long time and I just loved it and I felt the difference in my body and I wanted to join with her and just share it with the community and build a business together. So you touched a little bit on it at the farmer's market and you did as well um, about the community. How have they reacted to your business and the kombucha you guys sell? I feel like our community is so supportive. It's amazing. We'll be going this summer on our sixth year at the farmer's markets and we have customers that have been there or will be there all six years, which is amazing and humbling and awesome. And just seeing people who come back every single week and then when the farmer's markets are closed, they're coming to the store over the winter. It's crazy to just 
see how much people love the products and how it works for them and here and then not only to have customers but now there are our friends too oh that's nice that's pretty nice so i'm curious what's the process like to ferment veggies in a make kombucha how do you ferment something well, there's lots of different processes. <laughs> um, as I was kind of touching on before, kombucha is a fermented tea. So that just starts off as a brewed tea. And then we add a culture to it, kind of like how milk becomes yogurt, tea becomes kombucha. Um, so we kind of do that to a certain pH. We actually have a lot of CSU students working for us that help to regulate everything, package everything. Um, we have some interns that have really helped to hone in on our process, which is awesome. So hello to any of our CSU students that are listening. <laughs> and um, to make sauerkraut and kimchi, it's really just fresh vegetables, and then we use a certain amount of Celtic sea salt and spices, and we let it ferment to a certain pH, and then package it all raw without processing. It's all done by hand, and all the labels are put on by us and our team, so it's pretty straightforward. And a big difference that you can find in kombucha and fermented veggies, as Natalie's saying, is raw or unpasteurized versus being <laughs> processed. So ours specifically, everything is raw, meaning we don't heat package anything. Once you heat package a probiotic, you're going to kill the natural probiotic and have to add in dehydrated ones later. So you really want to be looking for raw, unprocessed, in a label to get those naturally occurring probiotics. Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. So some of the stuff you would like buy at the store, like kombucha, you would buy at like King Supers or somewhere. Is that going to be the same kind of probiotics or are those not raw anymore? It depends. Every brand is different. So I would say a large percentage are raw and unpasteurized and a small percentage are, but it's definitely something to be aware of when you're buying. Gotcha. And so you guys uh, have a store here in Fort Collins, correct? Yes. Do you guys hold any events there, any tasting room events? We do. We do all sorts of fun stuff. And actually this month we have a couple fun ones coming up with a building your own terrarium with Bath Garden Center. We have a macrons and kombucha pairing for a fun holiday dessert, um, an herbal ornament making party. And we do yoga at the tap room um, on a by weekly basis most months so if you're interested you can always find those tickets on eventbrite.com gotcha and you talked a little bit about uh csu students working for you guys uh how can students get more information on how to possibly work for you or just get more information about you guys well we have a website um turtlemountainfermentary.com we also have um our instagram and our facebook if you send a message, it's going to go to Hannah or I. So we most likely, Hannah, I'm not good at it. <laughs> so we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And um, we love to meet people, hear questions, and kind of get to know everyone. Um, and the more people that we can get involved, the more help that we have. And that's just awesome. So send a message. And if you're interested in fermentation or kombucha, you're always more than welcome to come into the tap room and talk directly to us. We often work shifts, but we, as I said, have a lot of great people who are working behind the bar and are super knowledgeable on fermentation and kombucha. And to talk a little bit more specifically about the store, like Natalie was saying, it 
It's kind of like a coffee shop meets a brewery, but no coffee and no beer. So <laughs> we serve hot tea and kombucha, but it's seven taps, and they're always rotating. Three stay the same, but we have specialty flavors and flights and all sorts of fun ways for you to try the kombucha along with the fermented veggies, like little platters and things as well. Ooh. All right. I think we're unfortunately going to have to wrap it up, but would you guys like to add anything about your business, about kombucha in general? Uh, just some closing remarks. I just think it's amazing to be able to offer um, a kombucha bar to Fort Collins and that the people of Fort Collins and all of Northern Colorado is very into learning about fermented vegetables and kombucha and just taking care of themselves, so we're happy to be able to offer that as an avenue. We also want to thank you guys for having us on here and reaching out. It's super fun to be here. It's our first radio show. Oh, <laughs> right on. Well, we're super glad to have you. Thank All you. All right. Yeah, well, thank you, Hannah and Natalie from Turtle Mountain Fermentary. So that was Hannah and Natalie DeSanto from Turtle Mountain Fermentary. They came in last November, and it was really fun to have them on the show. So that's going to wrap up our discussion today about herbalism, microbes, and microbiomes. Uh, we had a fun time talking about it. I feel like we learned a lot. I learned a lot, especially that uh, second interview for me was I, I love talking about how linguistics kind of works its way into everyday life. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot. And if you felt like you didn't learn a lot because you missed some of the uh, interviews that we were able to have today, you can go ahead and check them out at kcsufm.com. All of them are going to be up tonight. So go ahead yeah. and check them out. Under Rocky Mountain Review. And uh, normally we like to just feature one specific interview. But I think today we'll probably feature the whole episode because it's this nice organized conversation. But uh, we do have to move on. And uh, that's our show. Yeah, that's all we have for you today. But before we end our show, we are going to have to thank a couple of people. Yes, and let's start with uh, Damien Castile. He made this song. Yeah, he did. Thank you, Damien Castile. We also want to thank all of the people we had on our show today, including Coda Babcock, Ryland Todd, uh, James Hall, Sarah Josie, Erica Szymanski, who technically wasn't on our show, but had well, an interview on, the show on our yesterday. show. She was on the show yesterday. And let's also thank the Turtle Mountain folks, uh, the DeSantos. Thank you so much. We got to thank the people in our studio and office, Julia Badalese, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, Monty Daniels, Josh Kellogg, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, Desiree Cruz, Taylor Sandal, Sam Bonifay, Yasmin Conscious, and the rest of the staff. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. A uh, special shout out to Asher. It's her birthday today. Whoop whoop. Uh, I would like to thank you, Max. Thank you so much for doing this show with me and making it fun and educational. I'd like to thank you, Ren. You you keep me going. <laughs> very... Oh, like the Energizer Bunny. Like the Energizer Bunny and the batteries. National Batteries. It wasn't what was on my mind. I was thinking about how much I just wanted to take a nap today. Aww. But thank you. Alrighty. Well, before we could take a nap, we have to thank you. Of course. We yes. would not have a show without you. No, so that's serious. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening, participating. If you missed anything, you can find our website, kcsufm.com. Thank you for commenting on that. We got comments on our last post. That was nuts. They were all like positive too. Wow. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. And with that, we'll, we'll see, see you, you next time. time.